Hey everybody, Paul James Caden here with the Mind's Eye Podcast. Today on the show, I'm going to be playing the debut episode of a weekly show that I recently started called The Vigil. And I'm doing this because I know it's not a really great time to start a new podcast. A lot of people are getting fatigued after the lockdown of listening to so many things online and they just don't want to invest in another show right now. So I think I'm going to let that rest for just the moment and the time being. But the debut episode entitled Why Mysticism was a really great show. And mysticism is something that we talk about and have talked about on this show. So I thought it would be a really good idea to share the debut episode of The Vigil so more people could hear it because it really is an important subject to understand what mysticism is, what it's not, and why it's important to each and every one of us, no matter what our religion or our faith might be. So I hope you all enjoy this show. I hope you all enjoy this message, because this is something we're going to be delving a bit deeper into here on The Mind's Eye. And uh, originally, this topic, Why Mysticism?, was going to be a show here for the mind's eye but i decided to use it for the uh the new podcast that i was going to start so without further ado here is the vigil with the message why mysticism it's a really good one i hope you enjoy it thank you for listening Blessings, everyone, and welcome to The Vigil, a podcast about the mystical, spiritual life. I'm your host, Paul James Caden, and in today's very first episode of the show, we are going to ask the question, why mysticism? And what is mysticism? You know, generally when we hear that term, there's a lot of very strange notions and beliefs connected with it. We often hear people who are psychics or claim to receive some kind of special revelation from God or who see ghosts or mediums. There's a whole lot of different ideas and belief systems that wear the tag of mysticism. But this really isn't what mysticism is or what mysticism is all about. When we look at mysticism in its truest, purest form, and every religion has its form of mysticism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Christianity. And all of these practices of the mystical spiritual life are very similar in that they look to achieve oneness with God or with the divine or with the unknowable. And that's really what mysticism is in a nutshell, from the spiritual or 
religious perspective. Now it is true that as one contemplates and meditates on the presence of God or the attributes of God or being at one with God, that we certainly can experience moments of ecstasy, of visions, insights that we normally wouldn't know with our natural mind. Some people would call this revelation knowledge, things being revealed directly to them from God. But in the religious practice of mysticism, these are not things that we are to seek after. They are things that, if they do happen, they happen in a more spontaneous way. You know, many great mystics, uh, especially in the Christian tradition, describe it as waiting in the silence for the beloved to approach. And the beloved is God. And so really, you're, you're waiting on God to reveal himself to you, to your heart, to your soul, to encompass you and engulf you in his presence, in his love. And so it really is up to God what happens in each encounter with him in the mystical experience. Our primary concern is to seek that oneness, knowing that we are one with God, we are loved by God, that God is all in all. Now, many mystics will say that it's quite hard to explain exactly what mysticism is and that they will never do it justice with their limited human language. And this is true. And everything I've just said is just really scratching the surface and probably not the best definition of mysticism that was ever given. And any mystic will say this, that we just can't really explain this oneness, this union, this being immersed in God and everything that it means and every experience that goes along or comes along with that immersion. But those experiences are always up to God. We don't seek them. We don't look for the fantastic. And that's very hard to do, especially once you have one of those moments where you experience something that is outside the realm of everyday human earthly knowing or seeing or feeling. You want more of it. And this is something that the mystics say that they 
they hunger and they thirst for that presence and that love of God because this is the most important thing to the mystic is feeling the love of God. And so everything, again, that's added to that or comes along with that experience is just counted as secondary experiences. Not that they are unimportant, but they're not something that we seek after. And so we see a lot in modern-day religious people or spiritual folks. They have become seekers of the fantastic, seekers of the supernatural, seekers of the superhuman, if you will. Everybody's looking for visions and prophecies and dreams and some extra hidden knowledge to be revealed to them from the Spirit of God. And many come back from their meditations uh, with uh, very peculiar claims that if we really compare them to what is written in the Scriptures, to the words of Christ, to revealed knowledge that we do have from God, from Christ. Those visions, that secret knowledge that a lot of people espouse, we really can start to see that these things were contrived in their own mind. And that's something we really have to be careful with in mysticism, making sure that our own mind doesn't run away with us and start making up information or visions or things that seem fantastic and then we come back from the contemplative or meditative experience and say wow look what God has shown me when really it was just us wanting the experience so badly that we contrived it in our own minds And when you have a real experience of God, one of the things you will really notice is that presence of love, how it fills you, how it just cascades over you. And it's just a feeling, again, that you really can't put in human language. It is a love that is undescribable. So we must remember that that love of God in the mystical experience is the most important and underlying factor of every mystical experience. But again, not being able to define mysticism adequately in the human language It is also something we have to examine and be familiar with. To experience it is to know it. And again, to know when we're manufacturing that feeling of ecstasy because we desire it so badly.
And so I would really suggest that anyone who is interested in exploring the realms of mysticism to really do a lot of study. Read books. Read books on mysticism. Read books from some of the great Christian mystics of our time. Look online for courses in mysticism. There are some if you go to a site called Udemy. U-D-E-M as in Mike Y. Udemy.com and type in Christian mysticism. Uh, they generally have sales there where you can purchase a course for $7.99, $10.99, $11.99. And they have uh, some really good courses on Christian mysticism. One is called Mysticism, the Apex of the Christian Religion. And another one uh, entitled Christian Mysticism, uh, Unity with the One by a gentleman by the name of Bill Haberman. So these are good starting places to really start to understand what mysticism is and what it is not. Because if we just decide we're going to sit down and uh, become a mystic and start following a lot of the modern notions of what mysticism is, uh, chances are we're going to start manufacturing our own experiences. And, you know, it will lead ourselves and others that we share these experiences with astray and lead us farther and farther away from the true mystical experience. So read, study, and really understand the mechanics uh, of mysticism the best that we can with our lacking human knowledge on the subject and uh, even about how to describe God, the love of God, the presence of God. There are some folks out there, um, as they say in all practices, you know, there are natural-born mystics, people that have had experiences since they were very young, before they had any religious training or religious ideas that could pollute that mystic experience. And those people are very blessed. Um, I've been very blessed that since I can remember when I was three, four, five years old, um, having experiences and, and feeling the presence of something, someone around me that was just protective and loving and just really there for me no matter what. And that really became the anchor of my faith as I got older. And so there are some of us who were lucky enough to have that mystical experience even before we knew what it was or what mysticism was. And uh, so we have a little bit of a diving off platform of what it is and what it feels like and what it entails. But uh, even still, there's need for educating ourselves so that we don't get out into areas of strangeness and 
manufactured experiences. So now, now that we've talked a little bit about uh, what mysticism is, uh, let's take a few moments to answer the question, why mysticism? Why should we have uh, mysticism in our spirituality, in our religion, in our religious life? Well, the truth of the matter is, before the days of the Catholic Church and even early into the days of the Church of Rome, mysticism was a very big part of Christianity. And as the years went on, uh, the more mysticism started to be faded out of the Christian experience, out of the church, and the personal mystical experience or connection with God uh, began to be replaced with doctrine, dogma, theology, information that uh, supposed learned men ascertained about the divine and passed on to us. This is what we believe. This is what we hypothesize. So we're making this a doctrine of the church, and this is what you must believe in order to be pleasing to God, in order to be saved, in order to be called a Christian. And mysticism survived even in after the Reformation with uh, Luther and Calvin, but again, through Protestantism, uh, it eventually got faded uh, out of the religion and again replaced with doctrine, dogma, theology. And now, sadly, we're in a place and have been for quite some time, especially in the, uh, the, the Western countries, where mysticism is looked upon as being something strange. And if you go on social media or a lot of uh, Christian sites, and if you were to dare go there and say, well, you know, I'm a Christian mystic, most of the people there, I would say 95 to 98% of them, maybe 99% of them, uh, would say that you are following the devil you are a blasphemer, uh, you're doing something wrong, uh, it's new age, because these are the ideas that, that people have about mysticism in the modern day. It's all about the new age, it's all about uh, strange ways of meditating and uh, things we see maybe from uh, African tribes or voodoo cults where people are dancing wildly until they fall into some kind of trance state and fall to the ground and the spirits speak through them. That's mostly the vision of what people have of mysticism today. And they don't even realize that true mysticism, as it was in the very early church, uh, was just that, seeking oneness with God, seeking the presence of God in our lives, seeking to have God in our hearts and recognizing and knowing the Spirit of God within. 
And uh, that's very tragic that we have lost, by and large, to so many people, the mystical practice and mystical experience. Because as we see in modern-day religion, and this answers the the question, why mysticism? Because we see what the age of doctrine and dogma and theology has done to religion, what it's done to the Christian church uh, by and large across all of the denominations. Everyone is legalistic. Everyone is espousing their pet doctrines, whatever that might be, and condemning everybody else for believing something different, claiming that they don't have the truth. And we still have a lot of people seeking after prophetic experiences, prophetic visions, but they're doing so outside of the parameters of true oneness with God and true uh, mysticism. And so again, we, we see a lot of these evangelists or televangelists or even uh, pastors and churches who mimic that charismatic um, personality. And people get very excited, very stirred up, and they start manufacturing experiences in their own imaginations and then claiming, you know, the Lord told me, thus saith the Lord, or I had a dream. And so in a sense, they do exactly what they claim mysticism does, uh, and that's getting into the strange and, you know, the bizarre, because some of these, um, some of these so-called uh, prophetic utterances are very strange, uh, very even anti-biblical. And so this is how uh, religion or, you know, the Christian religion has really suffered without mysticism being a part of the Christian experience. And this is also why so many people have become dissatisfied with religion. Because when people start out on that quest to find God, on that quest to find truth, well, what are they looking for? They're looking for a relationship with God. They're looking for a relationship with Christ. They're looking for oneness with the divine. And when they don't find that, all they find is indoctrination and theology and what you better believe. And mostly told in a lot of uh, denominations and churches that if you believe anything other than what we are telling you, chances are it's satanic. And so we have this very legalistic uh, religious system, and people grow tired of it after a while. They get very disenchanted, and then they end up walking away from the church. And that's usually when it can become uh, even more dangerous, because then people seek uh, these Christian gurus or these people that claim to have special knowledge. And uh, it can get very messy 
and uh, it's kind of a pseudo uh, mysticism, if you will. But it's lacking that all-important element that we talked about earlier, and that is the love of God. Because if an individual experiences the true love of God, the true presence of God, and that love is so overwhelming, it will never lead a person into uh, fanaticism. And we see coming out of a lot of not only churches but fringe groups a lot of fanaticism because these people are being told, well, I'll show you how to have oneness with God. But again, it's usually through the teacher's teachings. You know, you will know the truth through what I'm telling you. So again, you know, people become very, uh, you know, indoctrinated with those things and they can become fanatical with them but they still lack that personal experience, that personal oneness with God. And see, that's what mysticism does, and that is why mysticism. Because there is the letter of the law, but there's also the spirit of the law that the Bible talks about. And so we see things in the Bible that are established doctrines and truths that we all must know and understand. But mysticism is the personal relationship. And that personal relationship takes us into an area of oneness and closeness and intimacy with God where our religion is just not a stagnant set of rules, regulations, doctrines, dogmas, and beliefs. Mysticism is the spirit of the law. It brings our religion, if you will, to life within us. And so we just don't know about God anymore through the written word, but we experience God through that oneness, through that love, through that intimacy with him. And again, you you may be shown things in those mystical experiences that is knowledge beyond what human beings think or know or teach about God or the kingdom of God, but that doesn't mean they become dogma for everybody else. If it's an experience that enlightens your mind, brings you joy, gives you that aha moment, now something that you read in scripture, something you've been pondering about God or heaven or the angels, suddenly that comes alive to you through the mystical experience. Cherish that in your heart. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go and make everybody else believe it. Because the mystic understands not everybody 
is in the same place or on the same rung of the spiritual ladder. And you may share this wonderful revelation you had with a group of people, and most of them will look at you like you have six heads because they're just not in that place where they can receive this wonderful piece of knowledge that you were blessed to receive in that communion with God. So never make your own personal mystical experiences and revelations doctrine and dogma for everybody else or thinking you know better than everybody else. Look at those poor lost people. They don't know what I know. Many times when you have those experiences, they are for you and you alone because this is your spiritual walk. This is your relationship with God. And you don't have to make others believe or know what you know. But right on the other hand, sometimes you may receive something about another person, a word or um, a piece of knowledge that will help someone that's having difficulty. So take each experience as it comes. And remember, it's always up to God. We are seeking the love and the presence and that deeper communion with God. We're not seeking the experience. If God wants to bring us an experience in that time of communion, that is his prerogative, not ours. And we're not to manufacture things just to say we had a mystical experience. So why mysticism? Because it brings our religion to life. It helps us to experience God, to know God, to have a deeper love and relationship with God. It's not stagnant in rules and regulations and doctrines and dogmas and legalism. It raises us above all of that because we truly know the love of the Father. And that is something that is sorely lacking in our religions today because we're more occupied with being indoctrinated or indoctrinating others than experiencing that freeing, wonderful, enlightening, illuminating love of God and Christ in our own hearts. So I really hope that you glean something from this conversation today and have a better understanding about what mysticism is and also why it's important in each and every one of our spiritual lives because it is the thing that brings us what we desire most and that is oneness and greater communion and intimacy with God. I thank you for listening today and I hope you'll ponder these things throughout the week. And I'll see you again next week with another message here on The Vigil. God bless.